they have to play on their backs. Um, that's where they learn to tuck their chins. That's where they learn to find their feet so their tummy muscles are working really hard. That's where they learn to roll side to side. Um, we want them on their sides because that is a great position that's sort of underused. Like they get a lot of the same benefits of tummy time in that they can work on their, their neck muscles. They can work on their tummy muscles. They can reach for things in the sideline gravity eliminated so oftentimes they can bring toys to their mouths earlier in the sideline so many practical and useful helpful information in this episode hey everybody i'm ashley cooley owner of birth baby sleep and host of the bringing a baby podcast today i'm talking with sam da of halifax kids physio and we're getting into all the ways that physiotherapy could be a real benefit to your little one perhaps but also some really helpful tips and things that parents can do at home to help their little ones with their milestones. So here we go. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for joining me on the Bringing Up Baby podcast today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. This is my first podcast. Yes. First and not last, I hope, because I know we're going to have a good conversation. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here because when it comes to physiotherapy and kids, there's really not a lot that we know. There's not a lot that, what what do you do as a physiotherapist with kids? What would we need them for? Um, all these different things. So um, I'm really excited to get to dive into all that. But before we do, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Totally. Uh, my name is Sam and I did my physiotherapy degree here in Halifax at Dalhousie. Um, I have been working with kids pretty much since the start. Um, I am happily married to a police officer, and I have two little girls. Uh, they're five and three, uh, so I get how crazy things get. Mm-hmm. Um, and as of last May, really, I am also a business owner and an entrepreneur, I guess. Um, that still feels kind of new, but I did open a physiotherapy clinic just for kids uh, here in Halifax. And it's called Halifax Kids Physio. Uh, And we have the coolest job ever. We just get to play and have tons of fun with the kids who come in to see us. That sounds awesome. Is it too late for me to do physiotherapy school? Yes. Strict cutoff. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, So so to have, uh, have a spot that's really specialized or I guess focuses on kids is so cool because I, I, well, I've seen pictures of your space. I definitely want to come visit sometime, but it just looks like it's all set up for all of that. So what, how is physiotherapy helpful for young kids or particularly babies? So I, I love that you noticed that in our space, you know, it's very much tailored to kids. So I used to be working out of a clinic uh, in Tantalan and treating kids there, but I just, I knew that we needed something more to be able to offer to families. So we do, we have this really cool clinic. We have monkey bars and we have a slide and we have swings and we have baby toys and we just, it's just set up so that we can do therapy with kids, but they think honestly, some of the littlest kids we have, like they think they're coming to a play date. And that's what we love. Like some of them cry when they have to leave. (laughs) Mm. 
and there's no pressure with that too it's no. not like here perform <laughs> but no. like you're going to probably watch and observe what they're doing right yeah and it's not like you know we can't just sit them on a bed and say let's do 10 squats together you know but if we're standing on a bosu ball and reaching down to get a sticker to put up on the mirror like they're still doing mm. the squat but mm. it's a game so we like to think we're kind of creative <laughs> totally um, but we you know we do see kids of all ages. Um, the earlier, the better kind of applies to all of them. So, so we do see older kids, but babies in particular. So like they learn so much so quickly, you know, they're like little sponges. And if we can sort of improve their alignment or give them like a really strong foundation from which to learn to move, you know, as they get older, it, it makes such a big difference. Um, Another thing that we, we, we strive to do is to educate parents sort of on typical development and really to help support them because, you know, you're handed this great big stack of paperwork at the hospital when you go home and it's just like, here, have a flip through this in all your spare time. Right. Parents are, you know, they have to figure out feeding and they have to figure out sleep and they're sleep deprived. And then they go to Google and they're like, why is my kid not rolling yet? And then they panic and they're not really sure where to go. So if we can help make that process any easier for families who have concerns about motor development, that's, that's our jam. That's what we love to do. Um, another thing that's happening, I don't know if it's because of COVID or if it seems more obvious be- because of COVID, but a lot of families are seeing their kid for the first time with other kids their age. So whether it's at a play group or at the playground. And so there's this comparison trap where, Mm. you know, my baby is nine months old and they're not sitting yet, but look at this one, it's five months old and it can sit. So there's also that element of like, how can I help my child learn how to do new things? Yeah. Um, I guess overall, so we, so we do, we assess sort of where they're at compared to their peers and we assess where they're at compared to what we expect to see considering that there's a, a there is a big a big range of normal um but what we really want is that kids are progressing in their skills so it doesn't totally matter when they learn a new skill it's like okay you got that when you mastered it what's next for you mm. not so the so the kids for example we call them our happy sitters And these are the kids who love to play in sitting and you plunk them there at five or six months and they can sit and they can sit and and they stay there. And then all of a sudden they're 10 months old and their family's like, oh, you haven't moved yet. Like you haven't, you're really great at sitting and that's fantastic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Look at the world out there. Like you can go get that if you want. I don't have to bring you these things. (laughs) Right, right. I'm good at telling other people like, hey, could you bring me that? that looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish you could just do it for me. That seems kind of hard. Um, so we want, we want progression in skills. Yeah. In I, I mean, a couple of things that you mentioned there, it's so easy to play that comparison game mm-hmm. when you have siblings. For me, my first two kids were born within a couple of weeks of each other in the same month of the year. So it was so easy for me when I had my second to be like, oh, your sister was doing this by now. Why aren't you doing it now? Um, and so I love that you mentioned this huge range of normalcy or what's common for these things to develop. 
uh, by the time I had my third kid, she didn't roll over until nine months. And I tell people all the time, if that was like my first kid, I'd be Googling, I'd be trying to find you. I'd be all over the place. Like what is wrong? But it was, she was my third kid. So I was like, please stay still. I was like, not encouraging the movement. (laughs) She's, she's a big mover now though. I'm not worried, but I I do. I work with families a lot, of course, and, Mm -hmm. and with young babies in particular, but generally under the age of five, but it really is those in our bringing a baby community membership. We have these conversations a lot and a lot of them want to know what are some ways that we can help support our little ones in their development with their skills, uh, looking for these activities to do during the day with them, helping them with things like rolling and stuff, which I know we're going to get into. So what are, you've already mentioned maybe a couple, but what are some of those common reasons why families are bringing their little ones in to see you? For sure. Um, So we, so we, I'll just start by saying, so we, we do see older kids. So your kind of common reason that a, a grown-up might go to physio. So we've got sports injuries, sprains, strains, fractures. Like we see kids with growth-related conditions, you know, because their bodies are growing and changing so quickly. Mm. Um, and we see kind of kids in the middle range. So the kids who have who are clumsy and they have problems with coordination maybe or – they have weak core muscles and or, or they're hunched over posture wise. Um, they might be tripping and falling. They might, you know, just need help with certain skills. Um, another group of kids we saw is kind of like that toddler preschool age. They might have learned to walk on their tiptoes. So we call those our toe walkers. Mm. Or they might be pigeon toed where where they're in towing and their toes kind of come together. Um, we see a lot of those sort of like alignment concerns, but there's a lot of reasons why we specifically see babies. And I think that's obviously where your group <laughs> is most interested. So mostly, yeah. One of the most common referrals we get is for something called torticollis, um, which is when a baby is born with a tight neck muscle, typically either they're born with it or it, or it tightens very shortly afterwards. Um, where one ear is tilted to that shoulder on that same side and their head turns away. So these are our kids who are only looking in one direction. And, mm. and, and because of that, babies' heads are really soft early on for a very good reason. You know, they need to be born. And <laughs> when they hang out in one spot too long, they are at risk of developing flat spots. And so if there's a tight neck muscle on one side, they can only really turn their heads in one direction or they prefer to turn to one direction, they get a flat spot. Mm. And that can be, and that can be, sorry, that can be evident too. If you're breastfeeding or notice Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. one side is particularly more comfortable or preferred for your little one than the other side because of that tilt. Absolutely. We see that all the time. Um, Yes, absolutely. And that's a great way for parents to kind of like, just there's like little cues here and there, or, you know, you'll, you'll be, showing them a toy to track to one side and then the other. And, you know, they'll follow it sort of as far as they can. And then they'll just follow it with their eyes. <laughs> the last mm. not fully turning their head in both right. directions. Um, yeah. Just, That's just a that good one though. Like just the, the being able to look, look mm-hmm. over and see that I I've often suggested to families because just to help, because like you said, sometimes they're born with it, but sometimes it can develop quickly mm-hmm. um, when they're laying their little ones down, say in their bassinet to go to sleep at night and next to mom, they typically tend to turn towards 
the bed or towards where you are. Um, And so I'll say like maybe for me, I did it like every week. It was weekly. So one week they're at the top, like their head is at the top of the bassinet where my head would be in that same Mm -hmm. position. But then the next week they're at the bottom. So they're turning to look the other way for that week while they're, I mean, they're not looking, but they're sleeping, but either way, putting them in a different position uh, in the bassinet or in the crib so that their heads turn in another direction to help with that. And and you know what? I would almost even challenge some of your listeners to do it more often than that. Like almost on a daily basis. Like there's no harm in, you know, tonight their heads at this side of the bed and like for nap, their heads on, on the opposite. Right. You know, on the change table, like, we, we typically have a dominant side, but babies don't and they, and they shouldn't. Um, and so on the change table, even though it's kind of awkward for us, you know, you could have their head at the right side this time. Cause you're going to be there 10 times today. <laughs> Next yeah. Time, yeah. To the left and, and alternate sides. Um, same thing. Like when you're playing on the floor, just alternating sides are just being, I think a big part of the torticollis and the the flat head, so they can either have flatness across the whole back, mm-hmm. head we call that brachycephaly, and those are the kids who hang out on their backs a ton, mm-hmm. or they're in like seats and swings and car seats, and they're like in containers a lot where there's actually just pressure on their head, or mm-hmm. when we see it when it's just on one side. But a, a big part of it is honestly, it's just education and awareness because. I couldn't tell you the number of times people come in and they feel guilty that this has happened. You know, their head shape is, you know, the parents are super worried about their baby's head and they're thinking like, are they going to have this weird head their whole lives? This is my fault. But they had no idea that this could even happen. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's so common. It is so common. We see it so often. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so just knowing that there's support there um, for those babies is huge we we do we look at we do look at the head and the neck in these cases and we look at repositioning those babies so that they're they're off of the flat spot as much as they can be but we also need to think about sort of repositioning them so we redistribute the weight that's actually on their head so we might do a lot of side lying on the opposite side for example because because their heads are still soft we have this big window to actually work with where we can reshape their heads just in the ways that we're carrying them and we're positioning them and we're playing with them. Um, mm. we, so yeah, we see a lot of torticollis, a lot of flat spots. We see kids and babies who are born with, you know, a, a wide range of disabilities or, or of conditions. So, you know, a baby might have down syndrome, you know, when they're born and we expect those babies to be sort of floppier, say their, their muscle tone is lower. Um, we see babies with, birth injury. So maybe that looks like cerebral palsy, or maybe that looks like um, a brachial plexus injury, which the nerves that are in the neck, they can have a stretch injury and the baby might not be able to use one arm quite as effectively. Um, so, you know, there's all kinds of things that sort of present early on. Babies, we ch- we monitor all, all the time for hip dysplasia. So how, how stable their hips are. Um, we see sometimes, you know, babies who have club foot and they've been in their they, they wear sort of special casts to realign their feet. Um, but sometimes they are limited then in their standing and their walking and they're just kind of a little bit behind and parents are concerned about that. Um, 
we see the developmental delays, like I've alluded to a bunch already, but you know, my, my baby's nine months and isn't rolling yet, or my baby has been standing for six months and they just can't walk on their own. So, so we are then assessing them, figuring out, okay, well, why (laughs) babies they're curious and they want to move and, and they want to learn new things. One of the things I can't stand hearing is like, they're just lazy. Your baby's Mm, not lazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the last thing a baby is, but yeah. Motivated to move. They can't move. There's usually something stopping them is, is part of their body tight. Are they weak? You know, are they, are there visual concerns? Are like, there can be so many things stopping them, but, but, I can't stand that term like, oh, they're just lazy. Like they don't want to do anything. It's like, no, they can't because it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's help. Let's help. Yeah. So So there are clearly like those, I call them obvious reasons where like you might even Mm -hmm. be working with your doctor and we're getting a team and we're going to physio, but really with those developmental, the gross motor skills, the, the bending down, the, the torticollis, the plagiocephaly or flathead, those are all big Mm -hmm. things that we do hear a lot of with babies. And it's great to know that because they're so young and because they're still fresh and soft heads and all that stuff, that the Mm -hmm. earlier interventions actually make it so that, you know, you can really correct, correct those things. Absolutely. And, And I think, I think something that we hear all the time also is like, you know, I was really worried about, you know, my baby can't sit on their own yet. And I really want them to be able to have solids soon, but they can't sit. So I'm worried. And I brought it up to my doctor and my doctor said, don't worry, they'll, they'll figure it out. Like they'll grow out of it or like, it's not a big deal. And, and I think that a lot of people just, they have to sort of advocate, um, for when, you know, they're, they're, they just feel in their guts, like, eh, something's not quite right mm. and getting brushed off. Or similarly on the Facebook groups, like it's super nice to have communities of people who have been there and they get it. And there's, there's totally a place for questions that anybody can answer. But the times when I, I, cause I flip through them, I'm a parent and I see who's, who's asking what, but you know, I see my child is four and she's been walking on her tiptoes from the time that she started walking. You know, that's that we see toe walking. Um, and it can be caused by a number of reasons, but when I read these threads, it's like, Oh, they'll grow out of it. Oh, I toe walked until I was, you know, seven and I'm fine now. So your kid will be fine. And then we see the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, Oh, I knew a kid once who had to have surgery to have that corrected. Like you need to see someone right away. And so there's just this, there's such a wide range of answers and, and parents are overwhelmed by it. So so it's nice to be able to just kind of like look at their kid in front of us and mm. give them strategies that will work for their family <laughs> versus yes. just and trying something for a day or two. And then, and then I don't know. Yeah. It's I know a- we, we look to Google or, or these groups to set our minds at ease, but it can very clearly, we all know this, it can go in the other direction too. Oh, totally. Um, and, and we just want to feel like, okay, this is normal. But really the best answer is to go to somebody and have your kids seen because there's always going to be these different set of circumstances that we just can't account for. 
in those groups. Oh, absolutely. And and that's not just, that's not obviously not just physio, that's your child's speech and language development. That's their fine motor skills. That's their behavior. That's their, like, mm-hmm. they're complex little friends. And, you know, Google doesn't know your little friend like you do. And so it's so nice to have all these resources locally yeah. um, just to help, Yeah, just to help parents help their kids like through the way that they play with them. Totally. Totally. Oh, man. See, if I my kids were younger now, I'd be like, I'm going to Halifax Kids Physio just to get like a, a session, maybe a little play date action, but get somebody to look at my kid and what's going on. Why are they walking like this? Yeah. What's, so can you take a look at that? Um, so what are some activities, if we can talk about what can parents do at home to promote these gross uh, motor development mm-hmm. from the start? So we were sort of talking about earlier with uh, in trying to prevent a flathead and, and switching sides when on the change table or in the bassinet every night. Um, and and there's things like tummy time and all those kinds of things. So what are, what are some of those that parents can do and work on at home for their little ones? Totally. So... Tummy time, I mean, it's a good one, and it's kind of a, it's a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of the word. Anyway, it's it's out there. It's everywhere, and it's tummy time, tummy time, tummy time, tummy time. And yes, tummy time is important, but it's not the be-all, end-all of child development. So in the 80s, there was, um, so the Back to Sleep campaign in which, and we still use that, you know, we're putting babies on their backs to sleep because it's the safest. Mm-hmm. But... sort of because of that, babies just aren't spending as much time on their tummies anymore. And, you know, when they're waking up in their cribs, they're on their backs and they're not getting the same degree of sort of weight bearing through the front of their bodies that babies used to get. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like they're sleeping on their backs. So they are on their backs a lot or slightly turned to the side and in that same position a lot, all the more reason to have them off of their backs more totally. during and those waking hours because we all got Absolutely. the seats and the chairs and the car seats and the play mats, but we need to have them Absolutely. up more. Yeah. A hundred percent they're safest on their backs and that's what we definitely recommend. But we also recommend when they're awake, trying to um, spread out sort of their playtime in different positions. So uh, they have to play on their backs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they learn to tuck their chins. That's where they learn to find their feet. So their tummy muscles are working really hard. Mm-hmm. That's where they learn to roll side to side. Um, we want them on their sides because that is a great position that's sort of underused. Like they get a lot of the same benefits of tummy time in that they can work on their their neck muscles. They can work on their tummy muscles. They can reach for things in sideline gravity eliminated so oftentimes they can bring toys to their mouths earlier in sidelining oh. we, we love sidelining 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 is sort of like a halfway point too for a roll so they can either go from their sides to their backs or from their sides to their bellies with a little bit of help right. and then tummy time is also important for sure but there's lots of ways that we can sort of help make that easier for kids and, and lastly, vertical. So supported vertical positions in which we hold baby on our laps. They're sitting on our laps. I would caution sort of against having them standing too early because their hips, their hip sockets are shallow and they're not mature yet until really around six to seven months-ish. So 
you know, the exercisers and, and definitely the jelly jumpers when, when babies are in those at the three and four month mark, not only do they not really have the head control yet to be in those, but they also, their, their hips might be at risk there. So, so we, mm. so we want them sort of in lots of different positions to experience movement in lots of different planes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not entirely due to the, to the sleep because baby marketing has also gotten outrageous in like oh, your baby yeah. needs this swing and you're not gonna sleep unless they have this bassinet and it's like if a baby so all of these things are are designed to make the baby super comfortable <laughs> so that it sleeps right yeah and they're in these harnesses and when their bodies can't move their heads can't move if their trunk is fastened in tight their heads just like they can't actually move their heads and so they're going to be stuck in one spot um, for a long time and yeah more where we see the flatness because even if a baby comes to us with flatness on the back we're still recommending they sleep on their backs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're just maximizing their daytime positioning beautiful yeah it's so yeah. that's so important and i love that you talked about the the standing because we can see mm-hmm. our little babies get those stiff legs and it's like mm-hmm. oh they only want to stand they just want to stand up but having that that little bit of even though you're supporting them, still that little bit of weight with their standing is not great for their their hips. Yeah. Maybe and and there's kind of a few groups of babies. So so at first it's it's honestly it's a reflex. Like when you if you hold up a newborn, right. they have a stupid reflex. <laughs> like, yeah. Walking out of <laughs> but um another group, so premature babies, um tend to do a lot of extension movements. So they straighten their arms and they straighten their legs and they straighten their backs. The other group of babies are the reflux babies and they fit in this little bubble and they're, they're, they're in they're, there's, there's no research quite yet to support this, but anecdotally and in the clinics, we're seeing these babies who have torticollis, tongue ties and lip ties and reflux. Um, and these babies, the refluxy babies who are just uncomfortable, right? They tend to extend and they're arching a lot. And they're, and, and so for those babies to stand, yeah, that feels way easier. Mm. But the problem then is like when parents say things like, you know, all they want to do is stand and they're just getting stronger through the back of their body and all the standing and all the jolly jumping. And that's just making that stronger. So then when they when they have to learn how to roll, they're not able to use the front of their body. When they're learning to sit, they're just throwing themselves backwards. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's and, and crawling, like you have to know how to flex your body in order to crawl, which we, we, we really like crawling. And mm-hmm. so there are common sort of muscle imbalances that we see in a lot of these babies that sort of keep them um, from meeting certain skills. And so, so that's why we kind of recommend holding off on the standing stuff until closer to like six, seven months. That said, there's a time and a place for sure for all the containers. <laughs> I have right. two kids. I needed to survive. We you need containers. Need survive, <laughs> right? We need them. They need to sleep somewhere that's safe. They 
need to play somewhere that's safe, like you need to shower and you need to reheat your coffee five times. Like You need to drive in the car. Yes. So yes. speaking, <laughs> and you know what? When it comes to car seats, I, I've asked you this before. I honestly, I'll ask any health professional that mm. works with babies and adjustments around this because mm. it's such, it's, it's quite common. Uh, it either is it's a phase or it's just like we hear so much like I can't go anywhere my baby hates the car seat yeah. so that is it a container so that yes it is so hard because where are you gonna go but it it yeah. is that's what we call a container is something that contains a baby <laughs> but in a safe yeah. way because again just like they have to be on their backs to sleep they have to be in a car seat in a vehicle, a moving vehicle, but that's not, we know it's not the safest position for them to be in for sleep or just for hanging out in for periods of time. So how do we, what, what is your kind of thoughts on, or do you have any thoughts or suggestions or tips around the car seats? What could be going on there? If there's anything parents can do maybe to check that out. Yeah, that's a tricky one because they can't tell us what they're thinking. They're just mad. Right. And they're, so a lot of the time, so some of the kids, it's very much like the getting them into the car seat where they're doing that arching the and they're, arching. they're going yeah. as a board <laughs> and mm-hmm. then to actually bend their bodies. One thing I would suggest is if they're going super stiff like that and you're trying to fight them and fold them in half like a taco, it's probably not going to work. So if they're losing their marbles, I would do a little walk around holding them sort of in position like in a in a bent up position so then when you do go to put them in there maybe they don't have such a strong reaction I mean Mm. there could be tons of reasons one of the things though that I love how you say like absolutely they need to be in a car seat when they're in the car like that's a Mm no-brainer but they don't need to be necessarily in a car seat when you get to where you're going Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily need to be in a car seat when you're grocery shopping. And they don't necessarily need to keep napping in it when you get home. Because again, that's another device where they're in a five-point harness. And 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 because their trunks can't move, their heads can't move. And so, which I'm not necessarily talking to the parents whose kids will only sleep in the car because that sucks. And I've been there for those nap drives at yeah. 4 a.m., yeah. everyone's losing their marbles, yeah. but just something to consider. And if you're like, oh yeah, no, I do put my baby in the car seat to go grocery shopping, but they actually also really like being in the carrier. So like, yeah, let's put them in the carrier when we go grocery shopping instead. Mm-hmm. And then they can look around, they're off the back of their heads. Like even if they fall asleep, you can turn their head to the side, maybe that they don't prefer looking to. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of changing your habits Again, it's it's being aware of how much time in a day your baby is spending in things <laughs> and, and trying to maximize the time that they have to play on the floor because that's where they're going to learn how to move. That's how they're going to learn you know, where their body is in space and like, oh, if I do this, I can get closer to that toy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Just it's really the focus on different positions. I used to say, or I remember hearing with tummy time, like you're supposed to do a half an hour a day 
I'm like, mm. oh my God, like I never counted that. And it's definitely not boot camp. They are not doing that all in one stretch by any means. No, but no. it's sprinkling it throughout your day on the change table. You put them on the other side each. You flip mm -hmm. which side they're facing each time after you change them. You can flip them over really quickly and do a quick little tummy time there. You're hanging out on right side, on left side. Just like changing it up and sprinkling it throughout the day is really what we're trying to get at right? totally totally and we're, we're telling parents exactly the same thing so I tend to give a rule of thumb almost and I'll say 10 minutes per day per month of age so a three-month-old is working up to half an hour a day not half an hour at once a day <laughs> so definitely that not. might definitely. be three minutes to start that might be one minute to start and building up their tolerance um babies have big heads <laughs> We all, they, they have giant heads compared to the size of their body. And if any of us with relatively smaller heads, if you lie on the floor with your arms at your side and try to lift up your head, it sucks. You're like, why am I here? This is hard. Like, I don't, I can't lift up my head like this. And babies are just kind of like, well, that's hard. <laughs> why are you making me do this? Right. And they learn very quickly, like, oh, if I yell, I just get picked up and that's great. <laughs> but if we can find ways of making tummy time easier, then babies will tolerate it more and they'll get stronger and they'll they'll like it. And, and, and it's more like we reverse the cycle and it's like, oh, that's not so bad. Right. <laughs> so right. for example, you know, little new, like you can start it from day one on your chest where you're laying, you know, first you start reclined in the rocking chair and then you start lying on the couch and then you lie flat on the floor where baby is getting progressively lower over and time. And babies like on your chest doing it with you yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Because early on, they don't care about toys. Like if you put them on their bellies with a book in front of them, they don't, they don't, they don't, that's not what they want to see right that's now. That's not they motivation. Want <laughs> they want your face. <laughs> right. They want their people. And yeah. so getting down on the floor with them is probably going to make it way more successful. You can use, if you have, everyone's got an exercise ball somewhere, whether it's inflated or not, everyone's <laughs> got one in the closet. But like an exercise ball is a super nice place for tummy time. You can, you put them on their bellies. Um, so it puts their body on an incline. So if their shoulders are higher than their hips, it's going to make tummy time easier. Another sort of key for making tummy time easier is for our, our little babies, really getting their arms tucked underneath them. So we want their elbows under their bodies. As opposed to they, the hands being like way out to the sides. Yeah. That's right. And, and honestly, try that yourself. <laughs> Lay on the floor next time you're with your kids and put your arms out to the side and try to lift your head and then yeah. bring your arms up to your body. Because if you can use your, if you're weight bearing through your, your elbows, your shoulder girdle is going to help you control your head. And so tummy time's even harder then for our kids who have a tight neck muscle on one side or right. for our kids who have reflux and it's uncomfortable and all they want to do is arch. Like they don't want to be on their tummies. And so it's finding ways that they do tolerate it on a nursing pillow or, and, and that's where we were kind of like detectives in some ways. Cause it's like, we need you doing tummy time. You hate it right now. We're going to help you love it. But where can we challenge you? But you're also, okay. You're not, losing your mind <laughs> yeah because as much as you're saying like we need you to babies to be playing on the floor and doing if they're really like not having it we're not saying no. forcing them through it we're saying no. find creative ways 
to extend yeah. that time as you go on. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Because the, if, if they're losing it, they're definitely not going to do it. And you're not going to do it. No one wants to hear their baby screaming. Like, yeah. Whether it's frustration or just like, pick me up. I miss you. Like, it's, it's just hard. Tummy time is hard. And yeah. so we, we make it easier so that, so that babies get strong in that position. Amazing. Uh, this yeah. has been so, so helpful. So many great tips and tricks that we love to share on the podcast, but I want to make sure that people know where to find you, how to find you if they want to get an appointment or check out and, and learn some more things like that. So tell us, where can we find you? Yes. So we are in Bears Lake uh, in Halifax which is fairly central to all the highways. We are on Instagram called Halifax Kids Physio and our website is halifaxkidsphysio.ca. Um, families don't need a referral to come and see us. Um, so you don't, a lot of people I think are under the impression they need a, you know, a note from their doctor. Mm -hmm. Sometimes insurance companies might need a letter from a doctor, but honestly, in most cases they don't. Um, so yeah, you can, we do an online booking system, which is super nice. Um, and so families can just find a time that works for them. We, we offer Saturday visits as well as evening visits because we get it. Like people are busy and you, and you fit it in when you can. That's why we really try to tailor our exercises to busy families. And we try to give as few exercises as we can, just because we know time is precious. Mm. You um, want them to be able to actually do it and be successful. So you're being really practical with that. That's right. Totally, yeah. totally. I'd say, you know, in general, um, if babies are not progressing, if they seem sort of asymmetrical, like they're using one side more than the other or or they're imbalances, so they're, they're arching a ton. Um, if, or, or just really if parents they have this feeling that like, eh, they could use some help or. And I'm not sure our, what that is, but I'm not yeah, sure what it is. Or, yeah. or we have parents who are like, whether it's postpartum depression or anxiety and, and they want to be doing everything for their kids and they're worried about, am I doing enough? Like we are so happy to reassure those parents so that they're mm. not up at night and they're not Googling, like it's tough. And so if we can help, families just feel better about where they're at. If we can take one thing off their plate, we are so happy to do that. Amazing. And I love mm -hmm. that. I mean, it makes it even more accessible that a lot of insurance companies cover this and you can just mm -hmm. go and just like get a, maybe the okay from your physio um, yeah. or just, I think, you know what? I, I feel like even if I brought my kids there and I don't really have any main concerns, you're probably still going to get a lot of great tips for some things that are coming up or what's going on. Oh, Hey, did you know this? Cause there is yeah. so much that we don't know. And that's, that's your jam. That's where you guys come in. So Man, we have fun. <laughs> yeah. Really excited that you're uh, local to Halifax, but you know, of course, there for anybody not in Halifax, there would be physiotherapists that work with children as well. Mm -hmm. um, but this has been really enlightening and helpful. And I know you've shared a lot of great tips already. So thank you so, so much for coming on. Might have to have you back and maybe do some more of the visual Ooh. stuff that we're going to yes. do for our members to actually show them some things. Yeah, excited about that. 
Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Ashley. And happy International Women's Day to you. Happy International Women's Day to you. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sam. You're very welcome. Thanks, Ashley. If you're looking for more information or support along your parenting journey, check out birthbabysleep.ca. That's where you're going to find prenatal classes, postpartum and new baby resources, and sleep support during the childhood years. You can now join our Bringing a Baby community membership as well, which has tons of additional benefits to helping you through all kinds of sleep challenges and transitions, navigating the transition to solid foods, and even your transition through early parenthood. If you have any questions, just send them my way. Lastly, but certainly not least, if you got something out of this episode or our show in general, leaving a rating or a quick review goes a really long way to helping others find us. So please consider leaving one. That's all for now. I'm Ashley Cooley, and we'll see you back here next time. Thank you.